For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to the All-American Brit Podcast on the Believe Podcasting Network. I am your host, Johnny McEwen. Lots of exciting news to get to in today's episode in the world of baseball. The trade deadline has come and gone. Lots of players on the move. Big shakeups in the MLB. And who knows, maybe you fancy your luck this week. Maybe you fancy a flutter. If you do and you're into sports betting, Bet Online is where you should go to win money today. Whether it's live bets during games or futures or who you think is going to win the championship, Bet Online has the latest odds, news, and information for all your online betting needs. Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the big next game or whatever you may be into when it comes to sport, head on over to Bet Online and start playing today. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. And my baseball expert joins us now today on the show, Jake Reiner of Meeting on the Mound with Jake Reiner and of course the Incline Dodgers podcast. Follow him over on Twitter. He's really tapped into the Dodgers and the baseball world at Reiner underscore Jake. Jake Reiner, you're back on the podcast. Dude, this is one of my favorite podcasts to come on that isn't my own. I am so excited and I couldn't uh, imagine a better trade deadline day than yesterday. I'm super excited to get into it with you. Tons of action from the trade deadline in the MLB to talk about. And let's get right to the big moves. I think the blockbuster move of the deadline and nobody bleeds blue like my buddy Jake Reiner. Let's talk about our Dodgers. Max Scherzer and Trey Turner are on their way from the nation's capital to Los Angeles. There were a couple places rumored that Mad Max could end up, but the Dodgers won the sweepstakes. What was your first impression of the trade leading up to it? And then, of course, finally, when the news was official that we'd gotten Trey Turner and Max Scherzer. Well, leading up to it, I didn't really think the Dodgers were going to get Max Scherzer, I'll be honest. Mm, I did not think that they were going to be willing to part with one of their top prospects, Keeper Ruiz, actually their top prospect, let alone their top two prospects. They ended up trading Josiah Gray and a couple of other double-A prospects. I did not think that they would be willing to part with that. And then during the middle of the day, which was this is what makes the trade deadline day so exciting is you're following along on Twitter and you're waiting for those official sources, those Jeff, Jeff Passan, Ken Rosenthal, John Heyman, those guys that typically have the best inside scoop. And Ken Rosenthal tweeted that the Padres were close to acquiring Scherzer and my stomach just dropped. I was like, no, <laughs> like that. The one thing that I wanted for the Dodgers was, was maybe not necessarily to get Scherzer, but to prevent the Padres and or Giants from getting Scherzer. And so when Ken Rosenthal tweeted that, I was I was kind of upset and a little bit of a gut punch and trying to figure out what maybe else the Dodgers could do. 
But um, it's a rarity, but Ken Rosenthal was wrong, and his sources may have fed him bad information, but Andrew Friedman stayed the course, and he was able to get Max Scherzer and Trey Turner. I mean, the fact that he also got Trey Turner, a lot. maybe a lot of people don't know much about Trey Turner, but a lot of the insiders are saying that Trey Turner probably was the you know, more exciting part of that trade because not only of his age, but his years of, of control, they have one more year of control for him. Mm. It also sets the Dodgers up perfectly for if Corey Seager ends up walking in free agency, they've got a perennial all-star shortstop right there with him. So that adds a little bit of leverage too, but also the fact that he's a right-handed bat, he's got speed, he's got power. Um, The Dodgers certainly need some oomph in that lineup, even though they've got a ton of all-stars, they're just not executing right now. And so bringing in Trey Turner is going to really help this offense, I feel. And then Max Scherzer. I mean, look, the guy's a future Hall of Famer. He's a three-time Cy Young Award winner. He's got um, a resume akin to Clayton Kershaw. He's got a work ethic akin to Clayton Kershaw. Um, just adding that guy to your rotation, I mean, it's just un- unreal. And, and for the Dodgers to make that move yeah. at the, where they are in the standings position-wise was huge. Would have been one thing if we just got Max Scherzer. And I think a lot of teams were in on Max Scherzer. But to get Trey Turner too, it goes from a big move to a huge move. And right. I think that, you know, you, you mentioned Corey Seager. If he does walk in this free agency year, we've got another year of control potentially of Trey Turner. But there, there is a question mark because Seager is now just back from injury. And so who do you think this trade of, you know, obviously Max Scherzer fills a spot in our rotation. That's awesome. Trey Turner, who do you think is going to be more affected by this? Is it Corey Seager or is it Gavin Lux's playing time that's going to be more affected? Oh, it's got to be Gavin Lux. And, and, and Luxie, who's on the DL right now, or excuse me, IL, uh, with a hamstring injury, um, he wasn't lighting the world on fire. In fact, he wasn't playing well at all before he got injured. And so I think you're going to see his playing time significantly cut. He's probably going to be on the bench for most of the rest of the season. But given the way that the Dodgers have been going this year, they're just injuries up the wazoo. So you never know. I mean, you never know if Corey Seager right. is going to stay healthy the rest of the season. And if he doesn't, there's the position opens up right again. Um, th- one of the bigger problems the Dodgers are going to have is uh, finding a spot for Chris Taylor and finding a spot for AJ Pollock. Once everybody comes back, once bets comes back as well, um, they're, they're going to have some issues there. And I think what's going to end up happening is that Chris Taylor, um, because he can play all over the field, doesn't really matter. And the Dodgers do like to give a lot of days off to players. Um, he'll find a spot. It just won't be the same spot every day, but he'll find a spot. They got to keep him in the line. He is, He's so versatile and he will play all over the diamond, but he is, he should be, you know, always a part of our, you know, kind of starting lineup. And I think, and I think he will. Chris Taylor's playing time won't be affected. I did think, you know, Trey Turner's coming. This is so exciting. He's a, he's a potentially a better fielder than Corey Seager. He's faster yep. than probably any other guy that we've got on our roster right now. Yep. Undeniably going to hit lead off for us because that's been a, a question mark spot for us. It's, it's amazing to have a guy with unbelievable wheels definitely going to be leading off this lineup. I, I think it's an interesting, a really interesting move, and you know, also mad he plays multiple. Friedman. He plays multiple positions. Right, so right. He can play second. He second can play center and center. Um, Trey Turner can play center. Yes, it just keeps getting better, doesn't it, Jake? Yep. Yep. <laughs> you mentioned them already, but Josiah Gray, Kibit Ruiz, Gerardo Carrillo, and Donovan Casey all head to the nation's capital. They've now become nationals. 
Are any of those names, you know, big names that jump out to you? I know you mentioned Josiah Gray and Kiebert Ruiz. Do you think this is a, a big loss for the Dodgers? Do you think that this is a proof that we're just going all in right now because we have such an all-star team? Was there a name in that trade going to the other way that you thought, mm, I wish we weren't getting rid of that guy? I mean, everyone's going to say Kiebert Ruiz because he was our number one prospect. Um, I just think the way in which the um, the catching conundrum is with the Dodgers is that they probably thought we've got Will Smith, who's the starting catcher, and he's really young. He just came up a couple seasons ago. Um, we've seen what he can do at a major league level. We trust him. He's a pretty decent catcher. And I just don't think that they saw a pathway for Kiebert Ruiz. Now, maybe if they held out, I mean, you could make the argument if they held out for the DH in the National League, then you can put both Ruiz and Smith in the lineup and, you know, it would be fine. But that's the thing with prospects is like as as highly touted as they are, you don't know how they're going to work out. Right. Um, same with Josiah Gray. I think Josiah Gray, um, even though he is highly regarded, I think... I don't think he's going to be a number one pitcher. He could prove me wrong, but I but I think he will end up being a really good two, number three pitcher in a rotation. Um, the, the old adage is that you got to give up talent to get talent, and so the Dodgers were very committed to doing that. And the only way they were going to get Max Scherzer, which was I think their primary target, although I although if you're talking about Andrew Friedman, he probably wanted Trey Turner a little bit more than than Scherzer. They needed to give up Kiebert Ruiz. Right. They needed to right. give up Josiah Gray. I mean, that that's just, you know, how how it's done. What was shocking to me is that historically Andrew Friedman, the Dodgers uh, vice president of baseball operations, has held on to his prospects for dear life. Like over the years, you saw Gavin Lux pop up in trade rumors, Dustin May, Tony Gonsolin, Kiebert Ruiz, obviously um, a guy that people wanted. And he held on to those guys for as long as possible. But the thing is, is the Dodgers have such a depth at catching. They also have a really, <laughs> another really like highly touted prospect in this guy, Diego Cartaya. So there you go right there. It's not like, I mean, you are losing a lot by giving up a guy like Kiebert Ruiz, but like you said, they're trying to win now. The window is closing for guys like Clayton Kershaw, Justin Turner, Kenley Jansen. Mm -hmm. So this was the right move at this moment for sure. And you mentioned him, of course, Andrew Friedman, you know, five years now, and he's and he's pulled off some amazing moves. But would you say maybe this is the best move he's ever pulled off? The Mookie, the Mookie, um, the Mookie move in, in the offseason is close. I mean, that was, you know. I mean, look, here's the thing. I, I think right now it's the Mookie Betts trade because the Dodgers won a World Series in 2020. And we don't yet know how Max Scherzer and Trey Turner are going to do, but certainly on paper, it's probably his second best move. Mm -hmm. Now, if they end up, you know, performing, going to a series, you know, then we're talking. Then we can have that conversation. Yeah. Again. Forget that the Dodgers also added Danny Duffy from the Royals. Dodgers also got Billy McKinney quite a few days before the trade deadline. So love that guy. Love that guy. We've made some really good moves in the way of adding bats and adding two really great arms. The Yankees did make some moves as well, and I'd like to get to some of the other trades going on. The Yankees went for the bats. They got Rizzo from the Cubs and Gallo from the Rangers. Do you think these are smart moves for the Bombers? 
it's it was a weird um weird trade uh weird couple of trades for them because they're so far back in the division and yeah they have a shot at the wild card but i don't think they're going to overtake the red Sox. and it's it's a crapshoot with the wild card because if you do get into one of those two spots then it's a one game playoff and you know all bets are off um i think the yankees are in a position where um they can't afford to be sellers. And what I mean by that is, is that the fan base just does not want to see the Yankees sell at the deadline. They don't want to see them give up essentially. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think what, what Brian Cashman had to do was essentially assure the fan base that they're not giving up, so to speak Um, there at the beginning of the season. I thought their, their pitching was going to be the biggest issue for them. A bunch of question marks. I thought the offense was, just absolutely solid. It's been the exact opposite. Mm. The offense can't score uh, for some for for whatever reason, and it's not like they've been dealing with a ton of injuries. I mean, yeah, Luke Voigt's been out for most of the year, but John Carlos Stanton's been there. Aaron Judge has been there for the most part. I mean, they have dealt with a couple of injuries to those players, but essentially they've been there. Um, they bring in guys like proven guys like Anthony Rizzo, another World Series champion, to play first base. Luke Voigt kind of seems like the odd man out, unfortunately, but that dude can't stay on the field. So I think the Yankees were thinking, look, we got to get a first baseman. We can't, you know, keep cycling through whoever we have to play first base. We need someone solid there. And so Anthony Rizzo, who showed up, immediately hit a home run. So that looked like a good deal. But that outfield is going to be like a three-pronged Sequoia tree trio out there. I mean, you've got Gallo, (laughs) Judge, and Stanton. Not necessarily your best defensive lineup out there. Uh, I I think they're going to try to play Joey Gallo in center field. And Giancarlo Stanton in left field is, I don't know. Well, we'll see. Um, Hopefully that's a good move for them offensively. I, I just... Again, I don't think they have enough pitching to get there the rest of the way, but they needed a they needed some offense, and they definitely got that. They definitely did. And uh, oh, they also got Andrew Haney too. So oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Get, they did address their starting rotation. Although I I'm not high on Andrew Haney. I think he's uh, a little overrated. No, I think and I think it's a, it's kind of a classic Yankees move. They're like, who are the two like biggest names bats that we could get? You know, home run. You know, bit of fun and Jerry Gallo and Anthony Rizzo certainly fit the bill. I, I mean, if there were any questions about whether the Cubs were sellers, we definitely found out at this deadline they were. And we should. Well, you do know, you do know at Yankee Stadium, any fly ball to right field is going to be a home run from those guys. Yeah, even that if they short, don't get all of it. Yeah, so, that short porch is going to help those left-handed bats for sure. Uh, right before the buzzer, let's shift back to the NL West. Right, right, right before the deadline, the San Francisco Giants bolstered their lineup in a huge way, adding Chris Bryant from the Cubs. Was this even on your radar of possibilities? I mean, did the did the Giants really need more offensive power? I mean, they've been getting it done pretty. They've been scrapping through and getting tons of wins. Chris Bryant to the to the Giants from the Cubs. What do you make of that trade? My my short answer to your, both your questions are yes and yes. Mm-hmm. I did think that the that the Giants were. I mean, they were definitely in on Chris Bryant. I, I heard, you know, ripples about maybe the Dodgers going after a package of of Chris Bryant and Kyle Hendricks or Chris Bryant and Craig Kimbrell. Um, but I definitely thought that the Giants were in on uh, Chris Bryant and. 
they needed to make they needed to make that move. I thought the where the Giants kind of faltered was not bolstering their starting rotation. I, agree. I felt like their starting rotation is not. I mean, it it has been solid up until this point, but it's been kind of fluky. I mean, you know, Kevin Gosman's been you know all all world. I mean, he's been unbelievable. Um, but uh, and Alex Wood has been solid, but you know, Johnny Cueto injury prone, uh, Sanchez injury prone. Um, you know, the, their rotation is a little off for me. So I felt like they kind of missed out on that. But if you look at the injuries that the Giants have been dealing with, I mean, uh, I mean, Buster Posey isn't, isn't injured, but he got his bell rung the other night with a, with a foul ball to the mask. Um, they've been without their pretty much their entire infield for a while, like Longoria, Brandon Crawford, Brandon Belt. Those guys have been down and hurt. And so adding a veteran presence, again, World Series champion, Chris Bryant, he comes to the Giants. I think that's a real—I mean, a really great fit for them. Um, I think what Farhan Zaidi, who used to work, he used to be the GM of the Dodgers, was thinking is that he knows Chris Bryant murders the Dodgers, and and that was a strategic move by him to add Chris Bryant to this team who kills left-handed pitching. He's been having a solid season so far, and he kills the Dodgers. So um, I think that that was definitely a move um, for uh, the Giants to be able to hold on to first place in the NL West. And like I said, if we needed any kind of sign that the Cubs were sellers, we definitely got it from this trade deadline. We've mentioned oh Rizzo to the Yankees. We've mentioned Chris Bryant to the San Francisco Giants. And now, of course, Javier Baez is on his way to New York, but he's been paying for the Metropolitans. What did you think of Javi Baez to the Mets? Where's he going to play? Um, I, He can play second base. He'll play so second. Whenever, whenever Lindor, Lindor's not back yet, I'm assuming. Oh, right, but. right. Um, so whenever Lindor comes back, that's going to be a fun uh, mm. double play combo between Lindor and Baez. Um, and it's going to be a lot of great defensive plays, a lot of flair. Um, so th- that's exciting for the Mets th- to have Javier Baez. And I think that um, Javier, who is a uber competitor, World Series former World Series champion, a lot of those guys moved mm-hmm. um, at the deadline. He brings uh, a veteran presence to this to this lineup that the Mets have have needed, um, especially with Lindor not having the season that they hoped he would have. Um, he's kind of figured it out as of late, but overall has not been the guy that they that they signed. Um, again, the same similarly with the Giants, I felt like the Mets really needed to address their pitching and just got you know an update with Jacob Degrom. He had another setback, so that's concerning. Um, the, the Mets rotation is a little thin right now, so I'm a little shocked. I mean, they, they did get Carlos Carrasco coming back, but who knows what, what they're going to get from him. Their, their starting rotation is a little thin, so I felt like they kind of dropped the ball in that, in that sense. The White Sox won the Craig Kimbrell sweepstakes. He was pitching way too well to not end up moving somewhere. Uh, do you think Liam Hendricks is still going to be the big dog in the bullpen for the White Sox, or will Kimbrell kind of steal away the closer role? What do you make of Kimbrell to the White Sox? I thought it was a little. Uh, I thought it was a little weird at first. Like my first reaction was like, hmm, maybe the White Sox don't really believe in Hendricks mm. as much as I thought. Um, and he's had a pretty decent season. Uh, at the beginning of the season, he kind of. I mean, I have him on on my fantasy team, so I was following him closely. He was just destroying me because he was blowing saves left and right but he's since figured it out and he's very fiery um but you add a guy like Kimbrell and now you're able to shorten games even more for your starters and so I think what uh Tony LaRusso is going to have to do is is kind of do that closer by committee um I don't think that you can really say 
to Craig Kimbrell, hey, we're going to use you exclusively as a setup man. I think it's going to be on a nightly basis of what they decide, where they are in the order. Um, kind of what a lot of you know new age, you know, I mean, Tony Larissa isn't new age, but what managers in this era of baseball are doing is they're just playing the matchup game. And so your closer or and or best reliever could come in the eighth inning if they're facing the heart of the order. And you may decide, okay, we want Kimbrell for this spot. And then we'll have Hendricks close in the ninth. It's a mix and match game. I mean, that bullpen at the, in, in, in Chicago for the White Sox is going to be absolutely scary. And the rotation is scary. And they added, uh, you know, guys to their offense too. And so... It's just, it's, it's, I think the whites, I mean, I think the white Sox are going to win the central. I picked them to be in the world series. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think these moves definitely fortify their chances. I think the Cardinals also really bolstered their pitching, adding Hap and John Lester. What do you make of the Cardinals? I mean, we, on paper, they're so exciting with, you know, adding Arenado. They've got, got Paul Goldschmidt. It wasn't about offense for them. It was, it was about having kind of star-studded pitching. And I think John Lester is certainly a, a big name to add to your rotation. It's going to put some some fans in the seats to check out when John Lost, Lester makes his debut as a Cardinal. What do you think of the Hap and Lester to the Cards? Ah, they were weird moves to me. I'm not as um, high on, on John Lester and, and Jay Hap. I mean... Five years ago, I would have been, but I feel like mm. they're, you know, they are serviceable pitchers, but I don't think that they're game changers. And and unfortunately for the for the Cardinals, they're in a really tough spot where, which is, they've got to win the Central or they're not making the playoffs. I mm-hmm. mean, that's just simple, right? And I think the Brewers are going to be, you know, running away with that division. The moves that they made, I thought, were excellent. Um, kind of under the radar moves, but adding Eduardo Escobar, oh man, that guy's the most, I mean, if you don't know Eduardo Escobar, take a look at his numbers. They're scary, scary numbers for a guy that not a lot of people know about. Mm. Um, they added some bullpen pieces too. the Willie Adamas move was great as well. Um, I, I think the Brewers are going to run away with that division and I don't think the Cardinals are going to make the playoffs because I think the car, the, the wild card team is going to come out of the NL West, whether it's the Giants, Dodgers or Padres, um, right. whoever wins that division, the other two teams will be the wild card team. So unfortunately I think the, I think the, the Cardinals ship has sailed this year. Total Johnny guy here. I got to mention it. I know we talked on your podcast about how I, there are certain players that I just think are phenomenal, and I also rake yeah, with on no the reason. show for no reason. I mean, this guy, this guy's a major league talent, but I mean, Starling Marte is on his way to the Oakland A's, and I think this guy is a major league talent. Do you think Marte Parte? <laughs> it's a Marte Parte up in Oakland. What do you make of Marte to the A's? I mean, I like that move for the A's. I think they Me did. Too. I think they did a couple of really nice moves. Um, the, the A's are in a in a decent position. I mean, they're they're behind the Astros in the AL West, and uh, they're certainly in the hunt for the wild card. Uh, so are the Mariners as well. Um, I really would like to talk about. The, I don't know if you had the Mariners on your list, but I'd love to talk about them in a minute. Um, but the A's, I think, adding Starlin Marte. I mean, you know, proven veteran outfielder, good bat, good speed. Uh, decent, decent outfielder. Um, I, I think, and and I think also for the A's adding Andrew Chafin to their bullpen, um, that was a really good move. A bunch of like just Billy Bean guys, guys that aren't you know aren't going to uh, light up the social media world. They're not gonna you know get everybody talking about them, but they're gonna be significant players down the stretch. And the A's are good, and so I just think that these moves uh solidify that. 
And I think it's been a pretty star-studded trade deadline. I mean, just to like, we, we've talked about a lot oh. of big names in our game, but also, you know, Jock Peterson goes from a Cub to a Brave. Nelly Cruz on his way to Tampa Bay. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the Cardinals with Leicester, I think that's a big name in our game. And, you know, Scherz is on the move. Does one of these big name moves stand out more than the other? Do you think the biggest move of this trade deadline will be Scherzer and Turner just because of the significance of both of them? I mean, Chris Bryant's a huge star in our game. That is could kind of, and it, and it happened right at the very end of the deadline, you know, hugely star-studded trade deadline. Yeah. We mentioned all these all-stars that moved. I have a number for you. Mm. Players with at least one all-star selection, 23. Wow. So 23 all-stars wow. moved. That's and huge. I. And I kept mentioning players that have won World Series titles, players with at least one World Series title that that were traded fourteen. That's so a, that's amazing, unbelievable. Yeah. Um, just one of the I think the best trade deadline I've ever seen. Mm. Um, and before I answer your question, I think one of the main reasons for that is because there was only one trade deadline, and. For those that, that don't know, typically they would have the uh, trade deadline uh, on July 31st and then the waiver trade deadline right. August 31st, and they eliminated that. And what I think that did was is that a lot of GMs that had both of those deadlines could say, oh, well, we didn't pick up who we wanted then. Uh, maybe we could pick up who we want down the stretch. Or for teams that are selling, you, they could say, oh, well, we didn't get the right package for Trevor's story, but maybe we could move him at the end of August. Well, this kind of forces the hand of all GMs, whether you're buying or selling. And so that's why I think you saw so many moves and so many big high-profile moves at the deadline. Um, But yeah, I mean, and I know I'm biased on this, but I think the deadline winners has to be the Dodgers. Um, They they made the biggest splash, uh, not only for Scherzer, but for Trey Turner, who I said, another year of control. I mean, that that, that move is the, the best trade, I think, so far on paper. Um, but we mentioned Chris Bryant. That was a great move. I think Kimbrel to the White Sox was another huge move for them. Um, and if Javier Baez of- can go and put some electricity in, you know, at City Field and play alongside Lindor, the, the Mets suddenly look way better than yeah. they did before. Yeah, and they no, looked great to begin I the mean- season. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. It's funny that the that the Cubs and Nationals uh, played each other um, the day of the trade deadline, and their rosters. I mean, you think about the <laughs> you think about the meme of like you know uh, Will Smith and Fresh Prince of Bel Air going into the empty room with no furniture, st- staring around. I mean, that's Juan Soto looking around like <laughs> what what the hell? I'm the only one left. A guy that there was tons of conversation around. Obviously, there was questions, you know, is this going to be the Chris Bryant's last game as a Cub? Is this his last All-Star game as a Cub? All that, you know, the, that that was a big question. But Trevor Story was dominating the headlines as to where he's going to go. And ultimately, Trevor Story is going to finish off his season in Colorado. Do you think, what do you make of that trade not happening? What do you think of Trevor Story staying in, in a Rocky uniform? I think that Rockies are hoping and praying that Trevor Story stays there right. because he's a free agent. But honestly, if I'm Trevor Story, I'm getting the hell out of there. That <laughs> That is a bad organization. The way they dealt with the whole Nolan Arenado thing was just a, a catastrophe. Mess. A mess, yeah. Um, and... And for the for the Rockies to not to get nothing for Trevor Story, I mean, because think about it, he walks in free agency. That's it. Yeah. At least if you moved him, you would be able to get something in return to kind of 
fuel that rebuild that they've got going over there, but nothing. And, and then I when think- when the t- when the deadline finally came, I kind of thought, oh, Trevor Story didn't move. And I think the biggest suitor for Trevor Story would have been the New York Yankees. And the Yankees ultimately did add some bats to their, you know, and I think that, you know, Rizzo and Gallo have more of a power threat and all of that. You know, there was a report that DJ LeMahieu, who obviously came from Colorado, one of his best friends in the whole world is Trevor Story. They spent the offseason together. They, they, he said he would have loved to have had him be a part of the organization. Maybe the Rockies were asking too much for Story from the Yankees and they thought, you know what, let's go get some real power bats. Let's get some big names kind of splashy trades Trevor Story is more a a plan for the future as well whereas these are just kind of immediate impact bats yeah and and it's possible that the asking price is too high in Trevor Story it's also possible that his trade value has diminished this year I mean he's not had yeah I mean yes he was an all-star but he's not had the best year and defensively he looks a little just not good um, his, his arm is, is, is not, is not doing what, doing what it needs to for him. Um, so that could be the case, but the fact that the Rockies didn't trade Trevor story, they didn't trade her trade Herman Marquez. They didn't trade John Gray. They didn't trade Daniel Bard, um, is a little curious. And a lot of people criticize the Rockies for not unloading those pitchers, but I have a different take. Um, yes, I feel like the Rockies should have been able to move at least one of those arms, but think about this. Finding good pitchers to pitch in Coors Field, I mean, that is yeah. a magic trick. Yeah. Trying to find <laughs> any good arms there, I mean, is is insane. And when you think about, like, attracting free agents to come to Colorado, free agent pitchers to pitch there, is impossible. Because guess what happens? You bring a pitcher there, his numbers absolutely inflate. Maybe he has the worst career years of his, of his career, and then... Then you then he then his then his value diminishes and he doesn't get a bigger contract whenever he leaves Colorado. I think what they thought was, look, John Gray, good pitcher. Herman Marquez, good starting pitchers. Those are guys that I mean, hey, you could build a rotation around those guys. And I think they're thinking, let's hold on to these guys. We know that they're decent at Coors Field. They're also decent on the road. So why are we going to trade those guys if we know that we can have them in the future in our rotation? I think that is definitely what factored into that decision. Like you said, a star-studded trade deadline. It was just kind of awesome seeing the news roll in. And, of course, we started pretty big with Max Scherzer going to the Dodgers and Trey Turner, and then we had to get all bogged down with Chris Bryant and the uh, and the Giants. So I want to bring up a topic that might lift your spirits moving away from baseball, but I think there's a there's an LA sports fan in DC that's looking out for us because the yeah. cat the, the the DC basketball team the Wizards have traded Russell Westbrook to the Los Angeles Lakers. You want to talk about a big 3? How about LeBron, Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook? What do you make what was your first impression of the move? Well, we talk about the Dodgers wanting to win now and the Lakers I think have even more of an urgency to win now. Given LeBron's age, given what happened last year with Anthony Davis being super injury prone, that's still an issue for them even though he's young. And so I think what LeBron and the Lakers decided was like, look, let's bring it, let's win another title. Let's let's go out and get Russell Westbrook. And the Lakers, who have been clamoring for a point guard for a long time now, um, they had it in uh, Rajon Rondo. Um, He helped the Lakers win a title in 2020. They thought they had it in Dennis Schroeder, um, but he kind of shit the bed in the playoffs. He just absolute no show um, when you're, and especially when you were dealing with Anthony Davis's injury, they really needed him to step up and he just didn't Um, flat out just didn't. And, And LeBron, you know, who's, 
you know, arguably one of the greatest players of all time, if not the greatest of all time, depending on where you stand on that argument. He's just getting older and he can't carry a team anymore. And so the getting Westbrook is an energetic move for the Lakers. They certainly uh, want to be faster and stronger. Um, they They certainly wanted to upgrade their ability to rebound the basketball. And so I think this move is a really good one for the Lakers. Now, the flip side of that is, is that a lot of people are are basically saying, I don't know if this is going to work with LeBron and Westbrook, two ball-dominant uh, players. Uh, will the ball get distributed? How will that work? Um, and you also don't improve your shooting. The Lakers are kind of weak in three-point shooting. Westbrook, not that great of a shooter. He's a great scorer and a great rebounder, but not that great of a shooter. So it'll be interesting to see how the Lakers fill out the rest of that lineup. I think that's going to be key in their success next next season. And I think there's no question that when you walk into the Lakers club, uh, you know, their, their locker room, LeBron's the big dog. And oh. Westbrook has had to kind of carry the mantle as the number one guy for a while. You know, everyone seemed to have left him in OKC. He was stuck there, and then he's kind of bounced around the league a little bit. And he's coming into a really established organization. He's coming into a team where, you know, LeBron is definitely the number one guy. Russell Westbrook's a really big personality, and he's really fiery. And I think that he'll he'll bring a lot to this team. He's an incredible scorer, gets to the basket, but like crazy, you know, amazing, athletic, you know, acrobatic, proper point guard I think it'll be a really exciting addition for the the Lakers but I think he needs to realize he doesn't have to take all of the pressure on him which might help him perform even better right and I think in a lot of people that were criticizing this move they were like well we don't know how LeBron and Westbrook and Anthony Davis are gonna gel and and like I mentioned Westbrook is pretty ball dominant and all that but here's the thing LeBron is one of the only if not the only like player GM. I mean, he has his hands in every single move that the Lakers make. He has built these teams, every roster that you've seen LeBron with the Lakers on and pretty much every team he's been on. He's built that roster just as just as much as Rob yeah. Palenka's built this yeah. roster. And so the 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 thing I say is that there's no way you would have been able to get Russell Westbrook or there's no way the that LeBron would have accepted Russell Westbrook had they not had a conversation and said, look, here's what we got. We're not going to be relying on you as the number one. You're going to be the number three. You're going to be the third option. Um, You're going to be the guy that when LeBron needs a rest or when Anthony Davis needs a rest, you're going to carry a second unit and you're going to start. He's not going to come off the bench. He's going to start, but you're going to put more of the minutes on Russell Westbrook because he has that ability. He has just that freak ability to be fast and in shape and just durable. Um, that's that's the one word I would use about Russell Westbrook. So there's no way that they would have brought him over to the Lakers if they didn't, if LeBron and, and Anthony Davis, for that matter, didn't have a conversation with Westbrook saying, look, this is what we got. We want to win a championship now. This is the role you're going to have. Do you want to come win a ring? And when Westbrook I don't even have to, you know, have a leaked conversation to know that he said, yes, let's win a championship. He doesn't have a ring. He wants to come win one with LeBron. And I think given that scenario, I think it's going to be a good fit. Well, I'm excited to see that when the NBA season finally starts up. But of course, we got Max Scherzer and Trey Turner, the other stars of DC to look forward to joining Los Angeles. And it's always a pleasure having you join me here on the podcast. Jake Reiner, thank you so much. 
Of course, Johnny, this was fantastic. Uh, one of the, I think the trade deadline day is probably one of my favorite days of the year. I mean, and this was the best one, like I mentioned, because there's only one trade deadline. And that's why you saw so many moves. And it was just um, amazing to follow along. And, and all seeing that photoshopped Max Scherzer in a Dodger jersey, I mean, Christmas in July. Just fantastic. Yes. Appreciate you, Jake. Thanks, man. Of course, man. Thank you again to Jake Reiner for coming on the podcast. Be sure to listen to him on Meeting on the Mound with Jake Reiner, the Dodgers Incline podcast. Check him out at Reiner underscore Jake on Twitter. You can follow me at AA Britpod on Instagram and Twitter. For the All American Brit Podcast on the Believe Podcasting Network, presented by Bet Online, I'm your host, Johnny McEwen. And until next time, take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.